Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Uh, so we continue in our series. Uh, it's a three-week series that we've been doing for Christmas, and it's called Wonder. And the purpose of this series is really to awaken the wonder of Christmas back into our life, not just to allow Christmas to be just another holiday that becomes routine and and that we kind of miss the whole purpose of Christmas and that is to celebrate the birth of Jesus who came from heaven to earth uh, to provide salvation for us, amen? And we don't want to miss the true meaning of Christmas. Um, the, The series that I've been doing is focusing on three Old Testament passages that are found in three prophetic books um, uh, Jeremiah, Micah, and next week we're going to be talking about Isaiah, and uh, three prophecies about the coming king, three prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament as he was going to become our Savior, the birth of the Savior. Last week we looked at the Old Testament scripture found in Micah chapter 5, and if you didn't hear last week's message, I really, really encourage you to go listen to it. Uh, I give a lot of information about the significance of Bethlehem and also the significance of Jesus as our Savior coming to this earth. And I think before you enter into Christmas, I'd love for you to listen to that message. This week, I want to share a message from a passage of Scripture found in Jeremiah chapter 23. And uh, Jeremiah, it's a shorter message, so don't panic that we have so much more. To, it's, it, you'll, you'll make it, okay? Jeremiah was a prophet of God. 600 years before the birth of Jesus, and the, the book of Jeremiah documents the, prophet, the prophecies that God gave Jeremiah to warn the people of Judah to turn away from their sin and to turn back to God. Otherwise, what was going to happen is if they didn't turn away from their sin, if they didn't repent of their sin, God was going to bring destruction upon the land. Israel, at this point, had already been destroyed. The capital of Samaria, if you... If, just a little history. At this time with Israel, there was really two kingdoms. There was the kingdom of Israel, and then there was the kingdom of Judah. Uh, Samaria was the capital of Israel, or of, um, yeah, of Israel, and Jerusalem was the capital of Judah. At this point, Israel had already been destroyed. It, it, it had already been taken over by the Assyrians. It's over. It's done. Now, all of a sudden, the prophet Jeremiah is sharing, hey, Judah, awaken. Guess what? Wake up. Start, turn away from your sin, turn away from serving other idols, and start serving the one true God. If you don't, guess what? Just what happened to Israel is going to happen to you as well. So he's trying to awaken up the people. And catch this. God sent multiple different prophets to go and share with Judah and with Israel. Hey, turn away from your wickedness. For Judah, it was 150 years of prophecy. If you don't turn away from your evil that God is going to... 150 years is a lot of patience. Do you know God is patient with us? And thank God for his patience. But there is a time where God says enough is enough. I'm I'm trying to be as patient, but it's time to turn away from the evil practices. It's time to turn away from sin and to start following after God. Jeremiah's prophecies happened right before the judgment as God allowed King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon to conquer Judah and destroy the capital of Jerusalem. 
So in the book of Jeremiah, it's kind of interesting. There's both the prophetic warnings found in Jeremiah, but there's also the judgment that's found in Jeremiah. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet because he's warning the country about what's taking place, and he loves his country. How many love your country? He loves his country. He loves the people in his country. And he keeps on sharing the warnings that God has been giving him, but no one's listening. And now he's starting to see the destruction of his own country. And in Scripture, you can see that he's weeping over the, the sins of his people. He's weeping with sadness because of what's taken place. It's a similar reaction to what we see when Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. If you remember... The week before Jesus' crucifixion, there's a triumphal entry. And he comes in on the, riding on a donkey, a young colt. Jesus is coming in. And you can find, you can find the, this, this reference in Luke chapter 19, verse 41. As Jesus riding that donkey, before he gets there, people are, are putting palm branches down, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. They're saying all these wonderful things. But before Jesus enters the city, it says that Jesus wept. Why? Because he knew that the leadership, he knew that the people of Jerusalem were going to turn the people away from him. And he could see what was going to take place in the hearts of And he wept over the people because he loved them. But he knew that they were going to choose to follow sin instead of following him at that point. Jeremiah's mission was a difficult mission. As he never sees any repentance happen in the lives of the people. Can you imagine spending your entire life sharing a message that God had given you? And this is maybe would help some of you here today that feel like, man, I just seem like I'm beating my head against the wall at times. Jeremiah spends his entire life sharing a message that God had given him, and yet he sees no results. How discouraging it must have been for Jeremiah. But there's a, there's a promise in the Psalms that I want to remind you today. And this might be for a word for some of you today, even within your own family or within your own friends. It's Psalms 35, where it says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. There's times where it might be a struggle. We, we're, we think we're going to have to give up on hope, and we're just like, man, how is this going to happen? And, and the Bible talks about there is times where there is going to be difficult. Cult. There's times where there's going to be weeping. But if we just press through, if we remain faithful, guess what? Joy comes in the morning. And this is true for Judah. God did not leave the Israelites without hope. He needed them to come back to him and repent of their sins. And in the midst of these prophecies, in the midst of these warnings, if you don't turn away, I'm going to destroy. Guess what? Hope is seen in the, in the, in the book of Jeremiah chapter 23, just like it was seen in the book of Micah chapter 5. And I want to, this is the passage of scripture that we're going to focus on today. It's Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 and 6. And it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely, and this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Let's pray for just a moment. Lord God, we thank you for your word today, and I pray once again, Lord, that your word will touch the hearts and the lives of each and every one of us today. I pray, God, that it would uh, give us hope and encouragement, uh, even in the midst of difficult passages, Lord God, that we can see, Lord God, that your promises are true. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
The first thing I want to share from this passage of Scripture is something that is shared in that first verse, verse 5, where it says that Jesus is the righteous branch. The righteous branch is a reference to who Jesus is. Jesus is our Savior. He is the righteous branch. And, and it's really opposite of what everything else that we had seen so far in Jeremiah, of all the unrighteous kings, of all the unrighteous prophets, of all the unrighteous priests and, and shepherds, all the unrighteousness. Hey, guess what? There is a righteous branch is coming out of, the, of the, the lineage of David that's going to become, I'm going to deliver to him, and he is perfect, and he is holy, and he is wonderful, and he is going to come and rule and reign, the righteous branch. His name is Jesus. He's going to encourage people to turn away from their sins. As you read through Jeremiah 23, you'll see that God was standing against false teachers, against false leaders, against false prophets. Why? Why was, why was God, if you read through the book of Jeremiah, it's like 50 chapters. You'll discover, man, God just keeps on taking a hard stance against these false leaders. And why is that? Because just as Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem before his crucifixion, he could see that the leadership was leading people away from him. Just as it was 600 years prior when Jeremiah is preaching this message, guess what? There was leadership that was leading people away from Jesus. And God takes a hard stance on that. In Matthew chapter 7, because Jesus faced the same challenge when he came to this earth. I, I've shared this in messages as, as I've preached different messages about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, how they were the religious leaders. But they were so caught up into the religion that they completely missed Jesus. In Matthew 7, Jesus called the false prophets and the priests. He says, they are wolves in sheep's clothing. They appeared to be sheep, but they were actually wolves. Jesus said we can recognize them by their lack of fruit. Not necessarily the lack of numbers, but really it has to do with more about their lack of results from their efforts. Are they encouraging people to follow Jesus? Are people's lives being drawn towards righteousness? What's the lasting eternal fruit that is being produced? See, everything that we should do in our life, in our, in our relationship in this church, in our relationship in our home, in the relationship with our, in our work, everything we do should pe point people to who? Jesus. If we're pointing them anywhere else, guess what? It's not a good thing. We need to be pointing. Our actions should point people to Jesus. Everything we do. Do you know the main difference between a true prophet and a false prophet? It's the source of information. Where is the information coming from? Are they sharing from God's word or are they sharing their own thoughts and their own desires? I know that today's message maybe is a little heavier, but just follow along with me here for a minute. I'm going to say something that might be a little controversial to some. But I, um, I'm cautious about those who constantly say, God told me, or the Lord spoke to me to tell you. Um, it's not that the God doesn't speak. And it's not that God can't speak to you. Because I've had God speak to me. I really have. I felt like that God has just told me something. He revealed something to me. And I've shared that out. But if you read through the book of Jeremiah, the prophets and the priests in those days were constantly using God said, God said, God said. And they were using it to put more authority upon their own words. 
So they had this thought and they said, you know, God told me. And all of a sudden now it brings this authority. Well, then how do you go against this authority? And I'm warning you because the book of Jeremiah warns us, guess what? We should not ever do that. We should not ever take our own thoughts and all of a sudden say, well, God said. If you don't know that, if you don't know 100% that God spoke to you, zip your mouth. You might come up and say, you know, I feel, a lot of times when I'm kind of in between, I'll say, man, I just feel impressed to share something with you. And if you feel like it's from God, man, take that word. Because, you know, we're human. But whenever you come in, and this is a warning for some. I don't know why this message is going this way, the direction, but we're going to take it. It's a warning for some who just follow anybody. We're following Jesus, people. If Pastor Tom says something that's like, don't follow Pastor Tom, follow Jesus. Do you, don't follow any pastor, any shepherd, any prophet that says, God told me, and he starts, and go sell your house and do it. Hold on. God, if God wants you to sell your house, he'll tell you to sell your house. Be cautious. That's what was happening in this book. These prophets, these priests, these leadership, they were leading people away from God and they were leading them further into sin and God was getting angry. See, this, rant, this righteous branch that we see in verse 5 says that God will raise up for David a righteous branch, completely holy, completely righteous, without any fault, a new king that will not be like the other kings. Most of the kings in the house of David were not necessarily good. They were opposite of righteousness. And they were only using God for their own benefit, for their own prosperity. They were not a good shepherd. 600 years before the birth of Christ, God is promising that is a righteous king is on his way. His name is Jesus. A king who will be worthy to follow. The second highlight from this scripture is found in verse 5. It says, who rules wisely. The righteous branch that Jeremiah is referring to will reign as a king and will rule wisely. And we see this truth displayed in the life of Jesus. Jesus' Jesus's life on earth wasn't about himself. It was about being obedient to God. It was about helping those who were poor. It was about helping those who are hurting. He was about bringing justice to the powerless, defending those who were being persecuted. We see this in the way that Jesus responded to the woman at the well. He was patient, he was kind, he was loving. He saw that, you know what, he, she had been overlooked and he brings hope to her. We see how he, he responds to, to Zacchaeus, the tax collector, where no, none of the religious leaders would even spend it. In fact, they, they were just, we don't, they're the worst of the scum. We're not going to spend any time. And Jesus goes and dines with Zacchaeus. He was bringing a new justice. He was bringing a new equality amongst the people because he was bringing hope. He even responded to the Pharisees in a way that was, that, that was concerning because the people were making, they were making man-made laws that people were following. He, he responded to the Pharisees harsh. Even Jesus responded in his own life because we know he's a good king and we know he's a good shepherd because he was willing to lay down his own life on the cross for our sins. Jesus is the perfect king who rules in both holiness and in love. And there is a day that is coming where Jesus will execute complete justice and righteousness forever. Do you know that? 
There's a day that's coming that Jesus will execute complete righteousness and justice forever. Listen to Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. And this is just, let me share it with you. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices shouting in heaven. Catch this. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. There is a promise coming. And we can even see it in the book of Jeremiah. He foretold, guess what, the birth of Jesus. But he's also foretelling that there's a time where all of a sudden this perfect king is going to execute righteousness once and for all. Where all of a sudden there will be no more uh, Satan, there will be no more ruling of, of this evil world. It will be Jesus alone ruling this kingdom. That day's coming. That day's coming. I'm excited for that day. Are you excited for that day? Just want to make sure I'm in a Christian church here today. The last highlight from this scripture that I want to share with, with you today is probably the, the most wondrous of them all. And that is that Jesus becomes our righteousness. And if there's anything I want you to take away from today is this point here. Jesus becomes our righteousness. 600 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophecy is foretold that the new king would, become, would be called the, right, the Lord is our righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. The term righteous branch referring to Jesus was not only because of the righteousness that Jesus had in himself, but it was also because of the righteousness that he was going to give to his people. He will make us righteous. When you look at the original Hebrew words translated, the Lord is our righteousness. Say that. The Lord is our righteousness. I believe when you look at it in the Hebrew, it even takes on greater significance. And I want to just share that for, with you for just a moment. And I can't say this very well, so just hang in with me. Yahweh Sidnik Yu. Yahweh Sidnik Yu. Yahweh is the Hebrew name of the God of Israel. And the English version that we often hear is Jehovah. So that, that's kind of the Latin translation of Yahweh is Jehovah. It's basically the same, but Yahweh would probably be technically more accurate because it comes from the Hebrew language. Uh, catch, the, the, the translation of Yahweh is I am. I am. That's what Yahweh means. I am. Remember when Moses came up to the burning bush? And all of a sudden he sees this burning bush and Moses goes over to the burning bush. And all of a sudden the burning bush starts to speak to him. Crazy stories in the Bible. And it's God speaking to Moses and he says, I want you to lead my children of Israel out of Egypt. I want you to lead them out of bondage. And it's a, it's a phenomenal story. I encourage you to, to read that story. But then all of a sudden Moses asks, who do I say sent me? God, if I'm going to do this. How do I go to, to Pharaoh? And if, how do I go in my own strength? Who do I say sent me? Because I don't understand. You're asking me to lead this people. Who do I say sent me? And he says, Yahweh, meaning I am. I am sent you. That is the literal translation of Yahweh, I am. God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. And I, follow along with me here. In Exodus 3.15, God tells Moses, This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation, I am. It's, his, it's God's eternal name, I am. 
The name speaks to the sufficiency of God, to the perfection of God, that there is no need or there is no lack. God has always been and he will always be. He, there is no beginning and there is never an end. God is. I am is who our God is. Everything and everyone are dependent upon God for their existence. When Jesus announced, and I want you to catch this, when Jesus announced in John chapter 8, he's standing amongst the leadership of the rulers of the day. And Jesus announced all of a sudden, before Abraham was, I am. Now I want you to understand the significance of this, this man that was born in Bethlehem, or this little baby that's born in Bethlehem, he's grown up to a man, and he's, been, uh, he's seen as a rabbi, he's sharing, he's healing the sick, he's doing all these different things, and the religious rulers are coming against him, they don't like what's happening, and he looks at, he looks at them and he says, before Abraham was, I am. And all of a sudden they started picking up things to stone Jesus. Do you know why they wanted to stone Jesus? Because Jesus basically just declared, before Abraham was, I am Yahweh. Basically, Jesus says, I am Yahweh in the flesh. I am God. And they saw that as blasphemous. They were ready to stone Jesus because of what he, the words he was saying. But what we need to understand is what Jesus was declaring there that he declared 600 years before through prophecy is that Jesus is our righteousness because he is Yahweh. He is God. Fully God. It's what the Apostle Paul writes in, to the, the, the church in Corinth when he says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How do we become the righteousness of God? How do we become the righteousness of God? Through Jesus. There's only one way, and it's through Jesus Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul was saying. Is that scripture? I just want to make sure that scripture was up there because no one was following along with me today. So I'm thinking, whoa, wait, we're missing something here? The only way that Jesus becomes, be, becomes our righteousness, though, is by him first taking upon our sin upon his life. He had to take our sin on his life. All of the world's sin was placed on Jesus when he went to the cross. And through him, he became our righteousness. His death became the ransom payment for our sins. Through Jesus, we can attain the righteousness of God. And I share this whole message and the, the prophecy in Jeremiah and the whole idea of Yahweh, who is our righteousness. The names describing God, many of us have heard those names and many times we hear it through the, through the word of Jehovah, God. We hear these words, but and it's God's character, and they're significant. And I hope this takes on a new significance this Christmas and brings a new wonder into your heart. When you say Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh Jireh, the Lord provides. See, God is perfect. He is complete. He is a king that brings complete righteousness. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Nisai, the Lord, our banner, the one who is, fights for us. He's our God. He's our good shepherd. He is the righteous king. And the last one that I want to share that I'm sharing with you today is Jehovah Sinikyu, the Lord, our righteousness. See, it's not our righteousness that we, we can never get into heaven through our strength or through our goodness or through our, just, we can't. It is only through the righteous king that was born in Bethlehem.
that died on a cross for your sins and for my sins. Jesus is truly the wonder of Christmas. And this is the question I want to close with today. I'm doing much better on time than I thought, so there you go. Jeremiah the prophet's life, man, it was difficult. I kind of shared a little bit about that. He goes, he's given a message by God to go share this word of, basically a word of judgment. If you don't turn from your sins, if you don't turn from your weakness, God's going to come and destroy the city. So he shares this difficult message. He's sharing to an unrepentant people to, be, to turn towards repentance. But they were unrepentant. They didn't want to. And he's still sharing this message of repentance. It says in the scripture that the king and the people became so tired of listening to Jeremiah's prophetic words. They became so tired of it that they, want, they, they made these plans to kill Jeremiah. They wanted to get rid of him once and for all. They got tired of the negative message that disaster was on the horizon. They didn't want to hear that anymore. They wanted to hear something positive. It's kind of an interesting thought. So then all of a sudden, tucked in the middle of this book of Jeremiah, all of a sudden you see these two scriptures in Jeremiah 23, 5, and 6, and it's a message of hope. It's a message of a righteous king that's coming, that's going to rescue the land, that's going to rescue Judah, that's going to rescue Israel. There's hope. And see, the people had the opportunity to, at that point to say, oh man, Jeremiah shared a message of hope. Let's turn away from our wickedness and let's turn towards God. They had that opportunity to do so. But they did it. They just continued forward into their sins. And so the real question for us today, and I want you to grab a hold of this this Christmas season as we walk into the season. Do you have the faith to believe in God's word? Do you have the faith to believe that Jesus is your righteousness? How will you respond? The nation of Judah continued to live unrepentant life. And I'm going to share something. I, I just feel like I need to share this. I wasn't going this direction. But I'm going to share two different ways about the righteousness of Christ. You're probably living either in two camps. One is that you think your righteousness is good enough. And if you live in that camp, guess what? It's not. For all of sin, all have fallen short of God's glory. No one can earn their way into salvation by themselves. They need Jesus. They need his righteousness. So the first thing is for, for, for those who maybe struggle with, with self-righteousness to understand you're not good enough and you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. But then for some of you who don't feel like you're good enough, and that you've done so many bad things and so many wrong things that God could never forgive you, that God could never say, no, come into my kingdom. No, you'll, you'll never, you can never come that direction. You even feel guilty right now being in church because you know that you've sinned last night. You, you keep on, you, you're struggling. Guess what? God says that we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that it's no longer our righteousness, but his righteousness. You can be set free from guilt, from shame, from all the, that past crud that you're struggling with all God is asking us to do is we put our faith in Jesus what really needs to take place I say this over and over and I'll keep on saying over and over until the day I die is that we just need to turn away from sin doesn't mean that sometimes we we don't sin doesn't mean that sometimes we might not make a mistake 
But no longer are we facing sin and embracing it. Instead, we have turned 180 degrees and we're facing Jesus and we're embracing Jesus and we're walking toward Jesus and we're following after the righteous king and all of a sudden his righteousness becomes our righteousness. And your sin just no longer matters because it's covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. Didn't, didn't the young boy say that in his prayer today? Was it, wasn't there something about, I thought he said something about the blood of Jesus. Wasn't that in there in prayer? Come on, somebody. The blood of Jesus is our righteousness. And we can walk in faith, putting our trust in him. The question that we have to ask each and every one of ourselves, we have to ask, are we, are we willing to put our faith in Jesus and follow him? A prophecy 600, before, 600 years before the birth of Jesus was given the people of Judah hope. Today, I hope that I can share that same hope with you, that Jesus is your righteous king. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Your word is powerful, it is impactful, and it changes lives. I pray today that every person here, every person online, every person that is gathered here, even on this rainy day in Southern California, if they haven't chosen to put their faith in you, I pray today would be the day they would choose. Today would be the day of salvation. Today would be the day that they would walk away from their guilt, their shame, their sin. They would say they'd put their trust in you. God, I pray that they would see you as the righteous king, the one who brings justice, the one who loves, who is faithful, who is true, who is perfect. God, let, our, let, our, let us put our hope in you this Christmas season, Lord God, like ever before, Lord God. If you're here today and you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I'm just going to share how simple it is. Because I would hate for anybody to leave here today not having hope. And Jesus says in his word, or in the Bible, it says that all we have to do is to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Believe. 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 So today, if you're that person, you say, Pastor Tom, I want to choose to follow Jesus. I want you to say this prayer with me. I want the entire congregation to say this prayer. And if you're joining us online, say this prayer and believe it and mean it. And guess what? The righteousness of Christ will come upon your life and it will cover all of your sins and you will be a part of the kingdom of heaven. Say this prayer with me today. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Today I choose to follow you, the righteous king. Set me free from my past. Give me the power of your Holy Spirit and help me to do what is right. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.